0: As I say, take your Bibles out and turn to the book of James. Uh, I've been saying that now for actually a few months, but this morning is the last time I will say turn to James as we've made it to the end of our journey through this wonderful little book. And here's my hope. My hope is that God has spoken to you as we've made our way through this practical letter because I know that we have looked at some important topics when it comes to God's will for our lives. As we have looked at James, that reminds you that the basic premise of this letter has always been that if you are a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, then there are actions that are not only important for a believer's life, but that are expected of a believer's life. Even in James two seventeen, reminded us of this, so also faith by its itself, if it does not have works, is what? Is dead. Indeed, to have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ means to have works that demonstrate that faith works that James has reminded us covers many things like taming our tongue, not showing favoritism, truly loving others, exercising genuine wisdom, submitting to God, praying, and many, many more things that he has talked to us about in this little letter. Now, I'm sure if you're like me, as we went through this, many believers would look and say, well, I I agree with what James has said. I, I agree with all that he has led us to do in this letter, but you'd probably say this to me as well, Brother Scott, it's sometimes tough to do the right thing. Will we say amen to that? And that is definitely so. Anyone who will tell you today that living the Christian life is always easy is lying to you. Okay? It can be very tough to live the Christian life, and without the power of the Holy Spirit working in a believer's life, I would even say it is impossible to live the Christian life. However, I will say this also, for the one who trusts in the Lord and allows the Spirit to lead the Christian life is truly possible to live, okay? Now, with that said, here's one of my greatest disappointments through the years. It is seeing people who once were on fire for the Lord become disconnected from the church and worse, disconnected from the Lord. This wondering by believers is not a new thing, and therefore, it is why I think very appropriately James ends this letter with these words in verses 19 and 20. He says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. All right. When James uses the words, my brothers, it is a reminder that he is speaking to Christians. Therefore, those who James is talking about wondering are believers who are once walked faithfully with the Lord, but who are now not walking with the Lord. Notice he says that they have wondered from the truth. And what is the truth? It is the truth of Jesus Christ and his teachings. Because they had wondered, the reality was simply this, that they were no longer living lives consistent with the truth of Jesus Christ, and therefore they needed to come back to the Lord. Their faith at this point would surely have been considered by James as dead, and it needed to be revived because, again, they had drifted from the Lord. They had drifted from his will. Now, let me give a word of warning to all of us who are gathered here this morning. We all need to hear the words of the Lord as given to James. And why? Because we all face this reality that we could wonder from the Lord. All right? Why don't we do this? I didn't do this first service, so this is a bonus for you. All right. I, I, I'm going to say, who can wonder from the Lord? And I want you to say, I can. Can we do that? All right. Who can wonder from the Lord? Alright, see that's a bonus for y'all being in the second service today, okay? The reality is every one of us here this morning can wander from the Lord. In fact, if you think, well, no way, I, I couldn't do that today. My favor of the Lord is so strong. There's no way I can wander from the Lord. But let me tell you this. If, if you haven't heard, last week, there is a well-known pastor. He began a church and founded a church. That church grew to 30,000 members. I think if my numbers are right, they had 15 locations in South Carolina, a great pastor. Many people looked up to him. He influenced many lives, but last Sunday he was fired from his church. Okay. He founded it, grew to 30,000 members, 15 locations. Why did they fire him? Because he had allowed the use of alcohol to control his life. He allowed himself to wander from the truth and began down a path that ended in the demise of his tenure as pastor of the church he founded. I'm here to tell you that any one of us here this morning can wander from the truth. And here's really the word of warning I want to give you. It's simply this. Wandering from the truth often happens very subtly. You see, most people who wander from the truth never intended to wander away from God. It simply started with something small and it grew and it grew and it grew. It's like the words we heard from James in James 1, verses 14 and 15. There he said, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. You see, for some, wandering from the truth began as just a difficult week, and when Sunday came, because they had a difficult week, they looked and they said, you know, I'm tired, and so I think I'm just going to sleep in this Sunday, and then one Sunday became two Sundays, and two Sunday became three, and before you know it, they had stopped attending church, and their relationship with God had drifted for some it began as they attended what they thought was a harmless party with their, th- their friends but things happened that they weren't proud about and so they became ashamed and embarrassed and so they started avoiding Christian friends and eventually avoiding God Or maybe for some, it was when they were on the internet and unexpectedly ran across some pornography, which they quickly left. But the next time it appeared, they looked a little longer. And before long, what was happening in their life is they were continuing looking at pornography until it became normal for their life. And the more normal pornography became in their life, the less normal God came in their life. They drifted slowly. Or as in the case with this preacher I mentioned, The acceptance of social drinking opened him up to the casual use of alcohol so that when the pressures of life increased, the use of alcohol increased until it eventually became a problem and was more important to his life than being faithful to God. Now, folks, listen. Those are just a few examples, but the warning to Christians here today is this. Wondering happens very subtly, and we need to be aware of that. And so we as believers need to make sure, okay, that we keep our relationship with the Lord strong. And I would say this to any of us, don't even let a little sin exist in your life because a little sin can lead to a lot of sin and it can lead to the demise of your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Now, as we look at this text today, though, we see a challenge. This challenge is necessary because think about the typical response that Christians have when other Christians allow themselves to fall into sin and to fall away from God. I mean, what what are the typical responses when we know of a brother or a sister who's fallen away from the Lord? Well, typically they fall into one or two things that become normal. The first one is typically this. We completely ignore them or number two, we actively criticize them. That's our typical response. So often Christians are uncertain about how to handle the sin of other Christians that they simply ignore them. People feel that it's easier to just pretend the problem doesn't exist than to try to to deal with it. Therefore, when a Christian brother or sister falls, he or she is often ignored and then quickly forgotten. On the other hand, some Christians not wanting to be stained by the sin of their brother or sister in Christ, or at least not, not wanting to be associated with that sin, Will then begin to criticize the fallen Christian, feeling somehow their criticism makes themselves look better and it distances them from the sin. Here's what we forget in both of these cases, in both ignoring and criticizing a fellow believer who is following, it does no good. And it simply pushes the falling believer further away from the Lord. In fact, James in this letter actually tells us that God has placed a different call on our lives. Look at what he said in verse 19. He says, my brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone does what? Brings him back. See, James would look at Christians and, he, and say this, it is our responsibility to work and to bring back a fellow believer who has fallen. You see, many of us years ago, I bet you remember the commercial, do you not? For that, a medical alert system with that line that said this, help, I have fallen and I can't get up. Y'all remember that? In fact, I hear the laughter because I think we watched that commercial and it seemed a little cheesy to us. And because it seemed a little cheesy to us, we kind of began to make a joke about that line, right? We'd go everywhere and we'd go down and say, oh, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. And and we would laugh about that line, would we not? Here's the reality though, for those people who truly needed the a medical alert system, it, it was no joke because for some to truly fall meant that they could not get up and they could not get the help they needed. It was no laughing matter for them. They needed that help. Likewise, I will say this. There are many Christians who have allowed themselves or who have suddenly fallen away from the Lord that if they were speaking truthfully to us, here's what they would say. I have fallen away from the Lord and I am having trouble coming back. That's what they would say to us. They never intended to get where they they got. It suddenly happened to their life and they drifted away from the Lord. And now they're looking and saying, I wanna go back to the Lord, but I don't know how to get there. They would say, help, I have fallen away and and I cannot get back to the Lord. Here's what they need. They need fellow Christians to reach out to them and help bring them back to the Lord. It it would obviously be best if we could keep others from falling away, would it not? In fact, that's why we're told in Hebrews 3, 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, we need fellow believers in our life to keep us accountable and help us stay on track. Satan is mean, and sin is enticing, and so we need others to help keep us on track. The one reason why, in fact, being a part of a strong church family, and even more specifically, being a part of a life group is important to believers because we need to develop friendships with other believers who can hold us accountable and encourage us to stay strong in the Lord. I would say to all of you, develop those Christian friends in your life who can help hold you accountable and keep you from falling. That is the best remedy, amen? It's not fall to start with. However, there will be those who fall away. And when they do, it is the responsibility of other believers to help bring the fallen Christian back to the Lord. That is what James is telling us. Now, we can ask ourselves this question. Well, Brother Scott, I hear what James says. If we bring them back, well, how do we do this? If I were to go back back to last week's message, I would say something like this must start with prayer, okay? Now, I didn't put that in your notes today because last week, remember, I said pray, 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 okay? I hope you remember it from last week, but I didn't have to repeat it. But let me just say today, if you're going to bring a wanderer back, it does start with prayer. For seeking to restore a fallen Christian, prayer will be essential because one will need the Spirit's help to not only keep them strong and to guide them, But they will need the Holy Spirit to work in the heart of the one who has fallen away. And trust me when I say this, God's Spirit is strong and can work in the lives of others in a way that you never will. So, as we concluded last week, you pray. Pray for the one who has fallen away. But after prayer, we need to turn to Galatians 6 for some guidance. Look at this passage. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. As we look at this passage in Galatians 6, we find some great words of vice when it comes to help one who has fallen. Here in Galatians, Paul speaks about one who is called in any transgression. It would be the same as saying a believer who has fallen. So these words are very relevant to us today. And what do we need to remember? As you seek to help someone who's fallen away from the Lord, the first thing you have to remember is this, is to make sure you are spiritually right with the Lord. See, he says those who are spiritual should restore them. Now, Now, some may think immediately when hearing the call to help bring someone back to the Lord or even the statement that I just made, You might say something like, "Well, well, brother Scott, I don't have any right to go and speak to someone." You, You might look at them and say, "You know, I have no right to say anything because I'm not perfect either. I've I've got my own flaws in my life." Well, none of us here this morning are perfect, right? But we can be spiritual, can we not? We can be, we can be a person who is seeking to live for God and to do our best to please him. Now, part of this means that if you're going to help restore somebody, the first thing that you have to do is look at your own life and make sure there's not any blatant sin that is not dealt with. That is partly what Paul meant when he said, keep watch on yourself because you cannot help someone else out of sin and get back to the Lord if you yourself are dealing with a sin issue. That is why we have to always remember the often misused verses in Matthew 7. So many use the first few verses of Matthew 7 to say that we should not judge others, but fail to consider the words of verse 5 in Matthew 7 that say this, you hypocrite, all right, first take the log out of your own eye, and what? And then you will see clearly too, to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What it really says here, look, do you wanna help restore somebody? Here's what you do. You first look at your own life and say, God, is there sin? Is there something in my life? Because if I'm gonna do this, I have to be spiritual. And if I'm gonna be spiritual, God, the first thing I have to do is say, is my life in order with you? And so you say, Lord, if there's sin, show me that I can confess it, that I can get it right so that I can be right with you. Because once you do that, what do you do then? He says, then you go and you take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so step number one is we make sure, listen, that you are spiritual. Now, after that, you then seek restoration with a spirit of gentleness. If you've ever tried to deal with someone who has fallen from the Lord, you know this, they can become very defensive, okay? Okay anybody here ever tried to restore somebody who's fallen away from the Lord? Did they become defensive? All right. For everybody who said, no, they they didn't. My question is probably, have you really sought to restore somebody? Because if you say they didn't, you probably haven't sought to restore somebody. All right, which we need to be doing. That's the call on our life today. You see, carnal Christians do not deal with criticism well. If you approach someone who's fallen away from the Lord with a harsh, critical spirit, you will almost always assure yourself that you will be rejected and get nowhere in helping them. Most likely, you will even harden them from God. You will have that opposite effect. You will find that become more hardened in their position even though they know it's against the Lord's will. However, if you will approach someone with a gentle spirit, Then you will help them relax and they will be open to hear what you have to say. And hopefully they will be open to the Lord's word because the Lord's word is ultimately what will rescue them and not yourself. Do you understand that? So you simply have to handle yourself in a way that opens them up to listen to you sharing God's word and being gentle will at least give you an open door. And so you go with a spirit of gentleness. But then you be willing to be in it for the long haul. Verse 2 in Galatians 6 says, bear one another's burdens. That indicates to me that what you are doing is not something that's a simple task. Okay, hear me. When I give you the call today to restore a believer who has fallen, this is not something that's easy to do. You know, often when you help rescue one from wandering from the Lord, it's going to take you some time. Not, not only time to help them see the errors of their way, but often time to get back on track. It might mean that you're gonna have to spend time with them, encouraging them. It, it also means that you might have to spend some time with them and say, why don't we do this? Let's, let's do a Bible study together. And I'm here to tell you, if you do a Bible study with someone, it's gonna take some time, is it not? But this idea when he says that we bear one another's burden, it's just simply this idea that I'm coming along beside somebody to say, I am here to help you. And if you come alongside a sinner who has fallen, you can be sure it's gonna take some of your time. It's not gonna be an easy thing. So what you have to do is saying, I'm entering this saying, I'm here as long as it takes. I'm gonna be in it, for the long haul. Don't think one conversation and I'm done. That's not the way it works. Saying I'm here to help and to encourage as long as it takes. Then you maintain a humble attitude. As verse three said in Galatians six, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You see, those words are a simple reminder to all of us, every one of us here today that we are frail humans and we need to depend upon the Lord. I will guarantee you that if you do not remain dependent upon the Lord when you seek to help restore a fallen Christian, you yourself will become a casualty, okay? So always remain humble and dependent upon the Lord. Now, if you want to attempt to help restore someone though, uh, let me give you a couple of other words this morning. Not everyone you try to help will be receptive this can be discouraging for those who seek to help restore someone but we must remember this we are not responsible for the response of others can i say that again we are not responsible for the response of others we are simply responsible for doing what the lord has asked us to do And if you know that God is leading you to help restore someone who has fallen, then you must do what the Lord has asked. However, if you are rejected by that person, you seek to help, you cannot worry. It is one of those cases when you have to remember the words that Jesus gave to his disciples as he sent them out to spread the good news in Matthew 10, 14. He said, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town, all right? Listen, if you try to help them and, and they will not listen, you have done your part, you must rest, folks, and then move on, okay? Now, on the positive side, Those who are receptive will be eternally thankful. Look back at James 5 again. Let's see the results of helping bring someone back to the Lord. It says in verse 20, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Folks, I want you to know that if you help a wanderer come back to the Lord, You help, as one person put it, bring life and healing to the wanderer. Now, we can debate this morning exactly what James was talking about when he says you will save his soul from death. One possibility is that you can actually save a person from dying under the hand of God's judgment. As we mentioned last week, some weakness is caused by sin, but even worse, sometimes death is a result of sin, as referred to in 1 John 5, 16 and 17, when it says, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, and I do not say that one should, pr- that one should pray for that, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. In other words, here's what we need to know. Sometimes sin does result in death. And so the goal for anyone is to help save people from death. Right. For the wonder, it means this. It means bringing them back before that they reach that point of no return and experience death because of their sin that's one possibility the other possibility is that james could be speaking here in a more metaphorical sense where death is when sin brings a death-like existence to a person's life through things like loneliness and bitterness and anguish and guilt and the like a life full of these things surely is a life that might be physically alive but spiritually is dead and so to restore a wandering christian is to bring that believer back to a life full of joy and peace, hope, forgiveness, and more. It is to bring back life uh, to, to, to a person who had found themselves dead, all right? Now, whatever is the case, whichever one of these, I don't know, but here's what I know. Is it a good thing to save someone from death? Amen. And so the scripture says, if you bring that wanderer back, you have saved them from death. It also goes on to say this, that you bring healing because... When you bring them back, you cover a multitude of sin. James says again, what he says here again, we can debate about what does that mean to cover a multitude of sins. One commentator believed that this phrase was meant to take us back to the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat in the Old Testament. And explaining what he meant, he said this, when the high priest of Israel made an atonement for sins of the people, he would take the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it on the mercy seat And the blood of the mercy seat covered the broken law. And it was as if God could not see the sin because of the blood. And all this was designed, of course, to picture the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus. The blood that he shed on the cross covers all of our sins, all right? For those who believe. So here's what we know is this. When we lead a lost person to Christ, indeed, the blood of Jesus covers that sin, does it not? What Jesus did on the cross becomes the atonement for one's sin. His death pays for sin. And in his essence, his blood covers sin so that God doesn't see it. That is an amazing thing. Likewise, we can say that when a wandering Christian is brought back to the Lord and seeks repentance and restoration, that same blood of Jesus covers the sin of the wanderer just as it did the sin of the lost. Therefore, we can say when we bring the wanderer back, we have helped cover a multitude of sin. However, there is something else to consider here, that when we help bring a wandering Christian back, a multitude of sins will be covered because a returning Christian surely will seek forgiveness of those who they have done wrong. They will seek to repay any damages done. They will seek to repair relationships that have been broken, among other things. A multitude of sin will be covered. In other words, healing will take place in the life of the wanderer and those connected with that wanderer's life. That is truly something worth rejoicing in. And here would be my prayer, that Christians would see the value in helping a wandering saint. Because whatever the results really are, here's what we could say. Surely we can say, we would love to save souls from death and cover a multitude of sins, would we not? Amen. So my prayer would be, We would seek those wondering believers. Now, before I close though, let me say this. Some of you here this morning, you are that wondering sinner. You're that wondering Christian this morning. Well, you say, Well, Brother Scott, I'm in church. Yeah, you're in church. But let's be honest, your life outside these walls are much different than the life that you're living this morning for an hour or two or three. If you would say, if you saw my life outside these walls, the reality is I am wondering, I am far from the Lord. I have strayed. See, maybe you have let sin creep into your life, or you simply ha- have made a choice that you knew was wrong. Maybe even someone has been seeking to help you, but but you would say, I, I know that I've wandered from the Lord. Maybe even here a little bit seeking a little bit to come back, but you, you just don't know how. Well, Let me say a few words to you. If you're the wondering Christian today, please do not say any of these words. Avoid saying these words. Avoid saying, I will come back to the Lord later. You know why, folks? Later may never come. None of us are guaranteed another breath. Later may not come. And not only later may not come if you wait till later you might not like the damage that is done between now and later you know what god would say to all of us he would say come back today as it says in 2 Corinthians 6 2, for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you have wandered from the Lord, don't say, I will come back later. God would say, Come back today. Today is the day. Also avoid saying this I am too far gone. Okay? Folks, listen, as long as you have breath, you are within reach of the Lord, okay? In fact, in Romans, it says this, but where sin increased, say that last part with me, grace abounded all the more, okay? Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Some of you this morning may be thinking, I, I've got too far from God. I've wandered too far away. But I want you to know today that God's grace is still sufficient to cover your sin. You are never too far from God. And so if you think you're too far gone, God would say, no, you're not. I can reach as far as I need to reach to bring you back. Just grab my hand because I'm waiting for you to come home. Also avoid this last one. God could never accept me now. That is not true because here's what we know from John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I want you to know something. God loves you amazingly. Amazingly. You may have messed up. You may, in fact, today, be deserving of condemnation. But God sent Jesus not to condemn you, but to save you. And if you look and say, well, you know, God could never accept me now because, man, I've done that one thing. I mean, that's that's the one thing that that, that God would never let me come back from. I mean, I'm just, he couldn't accept me at all. God is willing to accept anyone who is willing to come and trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Some of you have never done it. Maybe for some of you, you need to come and receive Christ. But I'm even here today speaking, as I said, to the wondering Christian. Some of you have gotten away from the Lord. And I want you to know, if you look and say, well, I know where I was. There's no way God wants me back now. After what I've done, I've wandered so far astray. Listen, God still loves you. He still wants you to come home. And if you've drifted from him, let today be the day you come back to the Lord because he loves you desperately. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of the invitation. And I want you to know, this time is gonna be open for you as a wandering Christian to come home. I will be here, others will be here to speak with you if you need someone to talk with you. But I want you to know, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. He's ready to restore you if you will come home, all right? Or again, if you've never given your life to Christ, come for the first time. But Christian, I also wanna say this to all who are gathered here. Do you know someone who has strayed? my my guess is for most of us today we could think of people that are strayed from the Lord maybe it's that person who used to go life group with you or maybe they used to sit near you in church and you haven't seen them in forever you don't even know what's going on there let let me ask you have you reached out to them have you checked on them have you said what's going on in your life because if they've wondered guess who they need guess who they need and they need yes us you won't you go ahead and say it they need me They need me. So even as we come to this time of invitation, maybe somebody comes to mind that has wondered and needs the Lord. Why not come to the altar even this morning and begin to pray for that wonder and say, God, begin to work in their heart and God, not only work in their heart, work in my heart to lead me to go to them to seek to gently restore them to you because I, I believe maybe they have fallen away from you and they can't come back. They need me to come and restore them. Why not this morning begin to pray and then let's later leave to go restore the wandering sinner. Amen. Let's pray together. Father. We come into your presence once again and thank you for the the words of James that gives us Lord a powerful reminder of your call on our life and today father unfortunately we see this call is to restore those who have fallen from you and I know father there are many people who have drifted they've wondered and they need to be brought back they need to be brought back father so that they can live that life of joy and that peace in you once again And so help us, Father, today to be your instruments. God, I pray that you would bless us, Lord. We know that that task is not easy, but, Father, I know with you that is a possible task. And so, Father, I pray that you would just burden our hearts for those who have drifted and help us to reach out to them and bring them back with your spirit in gentleness and kindness and in your love. I thank you, Father, that you're always welcoming the wanderer home. And so, Father, if there's some that need to come to you, I pray even now that some might even come back to your arms today as you call out to them and say, I'm here, come to me, my child. And so bless this invitation. I pray folks will listen and come in Jesus' name. Amen.